All right, let's get into it, shall we? Episode 158 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. How we've got that high a number, I have no idea. I guess by doing 157 shows before this, but here we are. Episode 158, uh, recording here in the Smart Start MN Studios in beautiful South Minneapolis. Uh, we'll talk about the weather in just a minute, but first I would like to say hello and good morning to none other than the... Sean Bernard, how are you, Sean? I am doing well. I love the cult, and there's two big reasons. Number one is the first time I ever heard a CD on a proper stereo with incredible speakers, it was the cult. It was actually the song Love Removal Machine. Yep. But it totally blew my hair back. And the second one was the cult opened up for Billy Idol one year. Uh, At the old Met Center. (laughs) Well, I was in Phoenix, so it was at an amphitheater, uh, Mesa Amphitheater. Are we talking 1987? Yes. Because I saw that tour tour. when it was here at the Met Center. Yeah, Yeah, same tour, except for about a hundred times, whoever the lead singer is, I can't remember his name. Of the cult? Yes. Ian Asbury. Yeah, Ian, every single time after a song was over here's a new song for you fuckers <laughs> it's called the rain and then he just like he just like over and over i'm like you know i'm like 16 at the time I'm like yep. geez so uh it's a little rough ian asbury um my favorite story about him is ian asbury it's, i know it's hard to imagine now in my advanced age but in the late 80s i grew out my hair i grew it down almost yes. to my waist I had long-ass hair. I was going to be part of this neo-hippie, cool, alternative guy. And then in the 90s, it became very fashionable to have long hair. But I started going for it in, like, 87. And it takes a long time to grow your hair out that long yeah. when you're used to having short hair. The single inspiration for it was Ian Asbury, lead singer of The Cult. That album, Love, is a top 10, for sure, top 10 80s record. It might be a top 10 album all time for me. I love that record so much. Yeah, Ian Asbury, um, you know, one of the things I've been jealous of, I think very few people can properly pull off leather pants. I you mean, didn't try it, did you've you? You've got to have, and look, I got, a, I got a nice bubble. No, I never <laughs> tried it. Are you kidding me? You had a Michael Hutchins face where you looked a little bit like him. I don't yeah. know if I was crimping your hair. I'm not, were... No, I never did any of that. But I mean, I always wanted to be one of those guys who could do leather pants. And I realized that was never going to happen. But I, I did have a, believe it or not, at one point, a rich, luxurious mane that I grew out below the lower half of my back. Not quite to my waist. That was, but also I will say in retrospect, long hair. Pain in the ass to take care of. I bet. Oh. Yeah, bubble in the back, sock in the front. That's what your model is. Unbelievable. Well, it's always good to see you, Sean. <laughs> good to uh, see you, too. It, Have it, a great day. It, it, has been, <laughs> it has been really warm and sunny and summery lately here in the uh, beautiful twin cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis here in Minnesota. Today, though, it all took a turn for the wet and the cold and the damp and the gray and the cloudy. And I don't mind. You know, I, I kind of like it when the weather gets moody. I kind of like it when we get a little break in the action because that humidity can suck it. I hate dinosaur weather so much. Yeah. It is not my thing. I can't breathe. I get stupid. Also, I sweat. So it's a really, it's a it's a triple threat of awesome whenever the weather gets warm. of awesome. Correct. Uh, so we're we're going to talk to our guest, Annie Enneking of Annie and the Bang Bang is going to be joining us here just ahead. I have so many questions for her because we've run in the same circles for a long time, but never really spent any time together. Never really had a chance to have a proper conversation. Plus, I'm guessing right now, but I think she knows how to use nunchucks. 
which is one of the coolest things Uh I've ever heard in my entire life. We're going to find out more just ahead. First, though, we're going to hear a song. You know, I'm not afraid. It's weird. Social media, I know people want to be in touch with with each other, and they think they know people. And every once in a while, I'll post something moody or outright dark on my Facebook page, right? Like a song. I'm not afraid of exploring, as we talked about on the last episode of the podcast, the range of emotion. But as soon as you play something that's a little dour or dare you do something truly dark, you start getting messages like, hey, man, just checking in. You okay? Now, I'd rather have that than have everyone ignore it. Slow buddy check. Hey, man, you all right? I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, I can I can play eight sad songs in a row. And explore sadness, but still be okay. I, I like to experience the depth and breadth of human emotion. And this song's not terribly heart-wrenching, but it is about wishing it would rain more often because things have been better. And it's by one of the greatest American bands of all time, The Temptations, on The Brian Oak Show. Sunshine, blue skies, please go away. A girl has found another and gone away. With her went my future. My life is filled with gloom. So day after day, I stay locked up in my room. I know to you, it might sound strange, but I wish it would rain. Listen, I gotta cry, cause crying is the pain, oh yeah. People just hurt, I feel inside. Words could never explain, I just wish it would rain.
The Temptations, I wish it would rain because, you know, not every day is meant for sunshine and fun and skipping and chasing butterflies and flying kites in the park. Every once in a while you want it to rain so you can sit there and look out the window with the raindrops accumulating and feel sorry for yourself because what an excellent use of your time. My name is Brian Oak. This is episode 158 of the Brian Oak Show. Before we get to today's featured guest, a quick reminder that we're recording in the Smart Start MN studios. Smart Start MN, Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. And this is going to become more important as people slowly break out of the cocoon that they've lived in for the last year. People are going out more. They're going to bars more. They're going to get-togethers more, which means they're socially drinking more. And there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, it can be very enjoyable. The problem is a lot of people end up making bad decisions and driving when they drink, and a lot of people get popped. So first of all, don't drink and drive. It's a sucker move. Second of all, I know you're not going to take my advice. So when you do it, and if you do get popped, you, a friend of yours, someone you love dearly, if they lose their right to drive, the quickest, most efficient, and frankly, most affordable way to get back into your vehicle legally approved by the state of Minnesota is with our friends at Smart Start MN. Yeah. If, if you do plan on drinking, try to you know, figure out your ride ahead of time. Make a plan. Especially when going to family reunions, because you always drink more at those. Or birthdays. Yeah, your kids. Bar mitzvahs. Whatever the case may be. Celebration. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing star competitions. Exactly. Smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. And if you've listened to even a handful of the episodes or maybe all 158 episodes, you're like, you're weird. What first. The f- well, but we appreciate their weirdness, don't we, Sean? <laughs> yeah, we uh, do. Love you. If you're like, what the fuck is Ignition Interlock? <laughs> Go to SmartStartMN.com and just take a look. See what the program is there, because I promise you sometime in the next few years, if not you, someone you know or love is going to require their services because human beings refuse to learn, which is why SmartStartMN is prosperous and continues to support the Brian Oak Show. You know, I got a quote simply read here. You know, if they've really listened to all the shows and they don't know what Ignition Interlock is, if you don't know me by now, here we go. you will never, ever know me. No, you won't. Annie Enneking is a local voice, a singer, a songwriter, uh, the person well out in front of Annie and the Bang Bang, a popular local band, but she's been a songwriter, guitarist, actor, dancer, and this is my favorite part of her entire bio because I've only really known her as a musician, as a force in music locally, but it says here in her bio, fight director for theater. Now, I know people who have done combat theater for a living, and I'm kind of excited to get there, but we're not going to get there first. She founded the rock and roll band Annie and the Bang Bang a decade ago, and all of the artists involved are extremely talented, as they better be if they're going to keep pace with today's guest, Annie Enneking. Annie, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. It's wonderful to have you here, and already we've talked about Tenacious D and Queens of the Stone Age, so <laughs> I don't know if you're just trying to butter me up, but it's working. It's, it's absolutely working. Annie, before we dive into what it's like to be Annie of Annie and the Bang Bang, where are you from? I am from uh, all over. I lived in Detroit when I was a baby. We moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico when I was a kid, and I spent my, uh, some years of my youth there. Uh, my dad died, and we moved to Washington State, and then my mom was like, I need to be with my family, so we came to Minnesota. So I've been here since I was about 11. Can I ask where you lived in Washington State? We lived in Edmonds, so just south of Seattle. I was born in the Pacific Northwest myself. I am from Portland, Oregon, and my parents met out there, but my mom was from here. They ended up coming back here when I was like two or three, but as a result, my dad's entire side of the family is out there, so I have gone out to 
uh, Vashon Island and Lincoln City in Oregon dozens of times in my life. Like I've been out there. It's the it's probably the place I've been to more than anywhere else except for Minnesota. Interesting. I've got family lives on Vashon Island. They've like built a house. Their mm-hmm. son is a an architect, so they're like, build us a house, and he did. And <laughs> And then uh, one of my theater friends lives out there. We might know more people than we think we know in our common circle because Vashon Island, although sizable, is not that big a community. No. I have a friend who has a cabin on Vashon Island, too. So apparently... Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. My friend Paul Peterson has a cabin on that island. What about Jason Everett? Anybody know Jason (laughs) Everett who goes by the name Jason Orbit? No. Okay. But we should go to Vashon Island What is the population of this island is what I want to know. It can't be be more more than than a few hundred people. (laughs) 36. No, I don't know. I I have no idea. But but it's big and beautiful and everybody out there seems to have an artistic bent. And I'm always like, how do you have enough money to live off the grid? I mean, and they're not entirely off the grid, but you know what I mean. You got to take a ferry if you want to go to, it's an island. You can't just drive to Vashon Island. Yeah. All right, very good. So you are from here, and you grew up here. You spend your formative years, as we like to call them here. I did, Where indeed. Ha- you, uh, uh, Maple Grove, yep. and then I moved to Minneapolis when I was about 15 to live across from the theater that I was a student at, and, okay. and then I've just lived here forever. And, and so theater came before music, huh? Theater came before music. Yes, it did. But they sort of been have been in tandem like my whole life. My first boyfriend bought me a guitar when I was 15. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So, and so was it musical theater? Was it theater theater? It was theater theater. So sometimes there was music in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that I was once Paul Carnes in Oklahoma, so I guess I want people to have no some deal. level of respect for that. Absolutely. Right? Merlin in Camelot, thank you very okay. much. Little yeah. little theater background myself, Annie. Nice. But not very good because there's a reason that I stopped doing it and you're still a successful artist. So <laughs> you do theater. And, but at some point, uh, I mean, you know, a decade ago, you make Annie and the Bang Bang a thing, a proper thing, an official thing. But I have to imagine music was... Uh, a significant part of what you did prior to that. Oh, yeah. My whole, I mean, I, I re, all of my formative memories are like of listening to music when I was a kid with my family. Like, I remember listening to uh, Cher singing Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves and wearing yeah. like a sheet over my head and pretending <laughs> to be her when I was three. Fabulous. You know, mm-hmm. and like Elton John growing up and like Jim Croce and, and oh, uh, um, love you know, the Croce. Oh, totally. So all these, and being just in the backseat of a car and listening to AM radio at the time and then, you know, and had babysitters who were like um, listening to Elvis and Kenny Rogers. So music has always been part of it. And writing has always been part of it. I've kept a journal since I was about five years old, and it was one of those like little locking journals. Mm. Um, and I've written every day of my life uh, since I was thirteen, and, and wow. doing that more seriously. Well, sorry, doing that more seriously. And then, yeah, I got that guitar when I was fifteen, and um, I loved Joni Mitchell and oh. uh, you know Cat Stevens at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, mean, I just so you taught like, myself. You like storytellers. You like thoughtful singer songwriters. You know, when you and I were talking before we started recording. Um, I'm not afraid to go to places, especially talking about Jim Croce. I mean, the other day I'd made a post on Facebook. I'm like, all right, we're going to play. I was this past Sunday. I woke up and it was a rainy, cloudy day after all those sunshine days. I'm like, we're going to play a game. I want to start the day with somber music. And I, I put up the left, left bank pretty, oh my God, yeah. freaking me out right now. Um, <laughs> but I like it. Um, and I said, but you can play along only if you understand there's a difference between melancholy and genuine sadness or utter despair. Because melancholy is okay. It doesn't mean you're giving up. It doesn't mean that the whole world is ruined. There's sort of a thoughtful sadness to it and almost like a nostalgia to it. And people threw up some fantastic songs. But Croce came up a couple times mm-hmm. in there. So would you say, how much would you say your music is informing? Because Joni Mitchell as well, but Joni Mitchell's transcendent. It's hard to, 
it's hard to peg her down as any one kind of songwriter because she's kind of all the kinds of songwriters, and I don't feel like there's any limit to her her lyrical content or her musical exploration. Um, I mean, what, what would you say for someone who has not listened to Annie and the Bang Bang before? What typifies it, or how would you? What's your thirty second elevator speech to someone who's like, "What the hell's Annie and the Bang Bang?" Lyrically driven rock and roll. I would say. I mean, I, I, what I really appreciate about the band is that we play rock and roll, but that I can dive into um, stories that have uh, an element of uh, emotional truth, if not uh, confessional truth in the way like Joni Mitchell writes, something like that. Um, and storytelling that's either strictly narrative or more evocative so that the listener can uh, put the other pieces of their own life into the song and mm. fill it out themselves. Wow, and we didn't even get to my floor yet, and the elevator speech is finished. I absolutely <laughs> love that. You have a new album on the way that we are going to talk more about. Um, is it already here, or is it on the way? Loveland is on the way, but this other one is in the it's in the shoot. Wow! So Loveland is here, and we'll talk about that. But yeah. like, I'm psyched about this the next album. So the song we're going to hear right now is that the is that off Loveland. That's off Loveland, which is the album we have out currently. Okay, it is currently out right now. So yes. before we talk more about Loveland, more about your process, what's in the shoot, there's so much happening with you right now, and your ability to knock someone down with a throwing star from 50 feet. <laughs> um, before we talk about any of that, tell me about this song, Barnar from Loveland. Okay, so Barnar from Loveland is a song that I had written in a songwriter style. It's a story song about um, a, a young girl who's having a hard time at summer camp. And literally, all she's just surrounded by mean girls. And some of the images in it are like, um, I, I saw uh, you know a girl following an ant. She was uh, was crawling in the grass. She took a magnifying glass and like basically uh, you, you know used her will to burn the ant to death. Right. And then they also take the girl into the forest and. Um, you know, tr and they try to make her eat her own poem and all this stuff. So it's very dark, but storytelling and then but it has this propulsive rock behind it. And um, we went into the studio, didn't think we were going to do that song, but like it was the last song we did. And we're like, let's just try it. And, and we're like, if we can't get it in three takes, just forget it. Um, so I get to be like this storyteller with these amazing rock musicians behind me. And that's Barnar.
Oh, man, Annie in the Bang Bang. That is propulsive. And that is, you know, sometimes it's enough to hear rock music. The very first words we shared when you walked up to the Smart Start MN studio was our mutual love of Alan Sparhawk's Black Eyed Snakes. And, yes. you know, the words are interesting, but let's be honest. When you've got two drummers and two guitarists and Alan howling into that broken microphone, the music can be propulsive enough. Right. I mean, like, like actually transportive, like uh, unbelievable. My favorite Minnesota music, anything. So it would be easy, I think, for somebody to not ignore, but to maybe give a, a secondary thought to the lyrical content of what you're doing right there, because that's a cool rock song right there. It's got a killer groove. Right. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun to see live. But you mentioned that you write every day and you have since you were 13. Mm-hmm. Is that intentional? I mean, like, do you do you for even if you don't effing feel like it, do you force yourself to write every day? Yep, I do. And now it's definitely a habit. So if I for some reason can't do it till later in the day, I'm like, I feel itchy and I do it in two ways. I uh, handwrite. Uh, doing uh, free writing for pages and pages and then I also have to get on the computer and type so like the action of of using my hands is really important I feel like writing is a very physical activity in and of itself and then also the crafting of the lyrics and words themselves is a visceral physical action because you're sculpting language to to craft an image um, and images are physical to me did Um, did that song come from like even a part of it from truth, from somebody you knew, from an event. Where did you draw from on that song? Um, a little bit. The line about the girls, uh, you know, uh, twist their gum around the fingers like nothing need ever change is just a, a thing I remember when I was a yeah, kid and yeah. like watching all that like junior high school girls who oh, were like yeah. older than me and were so mysterious and had their combs in their back pocket and their feather <laughs> yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. And they were just standing at their lockers <laughs> like everyone else was like, you right. know, nothing, right. you know. Um, so the image of them and feeling like nothing has yes. existed for my whole life in a way, you know, so that's the emotional truth of it. Mm-hmm. And then I also look at art and art and uh, sticks with me. And there was this beautiful, I can't remember uh, the woman's name, but she was a photographer and she took all these girls to the forest and they were all sort of dressed like Alice in Wonderland and mm-hmm. these white stockings, but they were all like contorting each other. And so this idea that... Um, uh, the line about, um, you know, they tried to make me eat my own poem mm-hmm. and... Um, something about oh they joined in the ritual it was a real tangle of legs that comes from that so i borrowed that image you know like uh, things stick to me they stick inside Mm -hmm. of me and then they uh, find a home and i love that my daughter my daughter just told me a story yesterday and i i think brian can agree with this that it took for me to have a daughter to realize how tough it is to be a girl Mm -hmm. and to be a woman and she told me a story yesterday that when she was about 11 or 12 she was on the playground, new school, and singing a song. Just kind of hanging out by herself, singing a song. And this girl walks up to her and goes, I can sing that song better than you. And the girl, <laughs> my daughter was kind of lightly singing it. And this girl just started belting out the song. She goes, at least I had the presence of mind to kind of go, wow, what's wrong with that girl? Right. <laughs> just, it's just nuts. Like, yeah. who does that? Well, I'm just surprised yeah. anyone survives childhood yes, at all, like yes. emotionally intact. You That's know? fair. Yeah. Well, if you, if you can call this emotionally intact, <laughs> sure, I suppose so. <laughs> Everything's fine. Annie, to, to get back to your writing thing, though, I think that when you, it stuck out in my head, it was very, it was very uh, a poignant moment for me when you said you write every day since you were 13, because that sort of intentionality, you know, people talk about, oh, you're lucky, or oh, you get these opportunities, you get these breaks, mm-hmm. and what I find is the luckiest people I've ever met are also the hardest working people I've ever met. If you want to be successful at anything, I don't care if it's chartered accountancy, songwriting, painting, anything, show up every single day, do the work every single day. Because then when you talk about doing free writing, you know, you will, a lot of it 
Even if it ends up being filler or an afterthought, it gives you practice. It hones your gift. And every once in a while, the more you do something, the more often you happen into something amazing. I'm certain during your free writing, many times over the years, you've probably written something that you're like, oh, that's a cool-ass line. And not until later realized, oh, but that means this. That's where I got that from. I mean, the more you do something, not only the better you get at it, but the more... I don't know, opportunities you give yourself to be really good at it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you are, if you show up and are with sitting with your tools every day, you create more work and the more work you create, the more you might have like, oh, circle that line and like, oh, I'll come back to that or it's, you know, stays in your subconscious. But that's the 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 sort of mind that you have to dig from, right? Mm-hmm. But if you weren't producing anything, what are you, where is it going to come from? Well, you, you know? might get lucky once in a rare while, sure. but it, but if you by forcing yourself to do it every day, you know, and I know workout people who work out every day, but I also don't like even doing this. We don't do it every single day, but doing a podcast, doing yeah. 158 episodes, the more you talk to people, I think the better you get at talking, talking to, to people, people, right? And yeah. that's that's our job here is to yeah. talk to people and find ways to learn more about them and you know, stay good at your craft. And also you start to get familiar with what is strong about your work and when your work mm-hmm. is weak, right? So you can be you can be the best judge of your own work and, and have a relationship with it, right? So you're you're creating a relationship with your craft. Um and it's not just something that you just show up for occasionally. It's sort of like I'm here for you every day. I hope you're here for me too. So you, you like know? to create. You write, you can play, you've had music be a part of your life, you've done plenty of theater, so you're not afraid to be in front of people, mm-hmm. and you're good at writing. So, I mean, you've got all the elements there. Then it comes to live performance of your music. And for the last decade, you put on great shows, you're not, you like to get up. Do you enjoy performing live for people as much as you enjoy creating the music you're going to perform. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the reasons I enjoy it so much is that I get to be on stage with my friends. Mm-hmm. All of the people in this band like uh, contribute to the success and, and and sense of adventure and joy. So I get to look around and be with these people and we can just rock and we can be in a crowd like our favorite show before the shutdown happened at the Root Note in uh, Wisconsin. Oh, and I love that were, little venue. I love it. But, but there was suddenly we were like surrounded by a gang of girls and we were like, what the hell is going yeah. <laughs> on and i talked to the mom she's like we were here last year when you played and it's my daughter's birthday today and she was oh. like mom i want to have my birthday party at annie and the bang bang show and we we're like oh my god so it was the most amazing way just right to to play and have experience joy and um with this wild energy and um we call them our girl gang and then they also and the handsome boys because there was this young young, young man there he was like seven he had this beautiful shirt oh on my. and wow. a jacket and his mom said yeah he wanted to wear his handsome suit that's well, what he called it and i was Cross, like Dude, wisconsin right Cross. Yeah. yeah but now think about that what's to me what's cool about that is people go out to bars all the time or go show up at an outdoor event or whatever and see a cool band they're like that was cool i like that you made such an impression on a teenage girl. Nine. She was nine years wow. old. No, oh, my God. The next year, she's like, we're going to my birthday. Oh, it's my birthday. I get to pick. Annie and the fucking Bang Bang is where we're going. That's killer. Oh God, it was amazing. She's going to think about you the rest of her life. And we are, too. We're going to think about them the rest yeah. of our lives. Like, yeah. they're in us. They're in our performance now. Because, like, they loved it, and we loved them. And I pulled them up on stage. I was like... You know, and and they held the. We sometimes we do cover songs. We were doing "Lonely as the Night," and I barely. Oh. That. I knew I wasn't sure about the words. I was Squire. like, "Will you please hold this right. phone for me?" You know, and and you know, and, and then they came up the end. They bowed, and I don't know. It was just like, like it, to create community and to be mm-hmm. in community. That's why we do this. And so, yeah, playing in front of people is amazing. But it's like if it's two people who are really into it, or like you know, however many, like we love it. We love to connect with each other and with them. Through this medium. 
Well, Sean and I talk about it all the time. It's that biofeedback, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's one thing to perform, and it's also on our part as deep music fans, it's something to absorb. But then we absorb it, and it exudes back out, and it goes back up to the player, and that biofeedback loop can sometimes propel a live event into more than the sum of its parts, right? I mean, it yes. becomes this this ecstatic moment that we all are there for. You know, you're there for it. I yep. mean, sometimes maybe it's just a paycheck. But you're there. I, I know that that's not what fuels your art. And so you're there to create that moment. People are there to receive that moment. And sometimes people get more out of it than either of them expected. So lockdown happens a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And you gig on the regular. How many gigs have you been able to do in the last year? Well, we did one online gig and then um, recent, like, like our last, I mean, we just played at Palmer's a mm-hmm. couple weekends ago, mm-hmm. and that was the first time we'd been in public performing for anyone, and it was amazing. Yeah. It's like the people who came were there, and we just loved being there with them, and, and the rain, it was threatening to rain, and it mm. didn't rain, and um, yeah, so we haven't been able to play a lot, but... I want to say, I want to shout out for Mike Kittle, who's the drummer in our band, who's an amazing singer and a drummer. Um, He's also an amazing technician, right? So he, in his basement space where we usually practice, um, hung plastic curtains up so we could all be six feet apart, be in our own plastic chamber and show up and wear masks. So, dude, we have like four albums ready to go. Like we're ready to record So you've been working this whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were safe and we're all super locked down. Like we're not, but we were like, this is our one thing that we're going to let ourselves have. And we're going to stay safe and we're going to keep each other safe. But we got to do, like, we were going to die if we didn't get to do it. Like, yep. we love each other and we love it. So well, but we have I mean, to be and, together. And you might die if you do do it. And you're going <laughs> to die if you don't do it. But you went full-blown John Travolta, boy in the plastic bubble, to be able to continue to crank out music. That's exactly right. Well, that, see, I, I think that's fantastic. So before we talk about the new album, one of apparently four that are in the pipeline, um, and other upcoming gigs, I would like to hear another song off Loveland. And I would like you to tell me about Shake the Shaker. Shake the Shaker is kind of a karmic a retribution song and i use really spare uh lines that are like aphorisms so they're like truths they're undeniable it's gonna happen right, right. and then uh, also it came to me in one of those ways where like lines are coming like shake the baby shake the tambourine shake your bones shake the rattle and i was like i have no idea what that means but i shall trust it and I shall go deeper into the exploration of whatever the hell that is, right? And um, it's one of the songs we worked on in Loveland, Colorado, in this little Airbnb that we live in when we uh, tour there. Mm. And um, John took the main riff. He's the, uh, the guitarist in the band. And he took it away from me. And I was like, what are you doing? Mm. And then, But then what he did with it was amazing. And it made me go on a, a, like a vocal journey that I wouldn't have gone on if he hadn't taken it from me. Because it was suddenly foreign. So then I was like... I just sang like Ethel Merman briefly to just pierce <laughs> to just pierce through the uh, the the way that I felt uncomfortable, uh-huh. and then we unlocked this fucking song, and I love it. The avenues to a destination of creativity blow my mind. You know, I know that some songs fall out of the sky and they're in your head fully formed. Other ones you have to completely Frankenstein together. And sometimes you just have to throw chemical X into the middle (laughs) of it and see what blows up and what happens. I love, love that story. Here's music from Annie and the Bang Bang Shake the Shaker on The Brian Oak Show.
So if I'm to believe the rumors from the woman in the plastic bubble, one Annie Enneking, who's our guest, <laughs> um, she cranked out over the pen. While most of us in the pandemic sat there and held our knees and rocked back and forth in a cold shower, she hung out with her band and cranked out album after album after album worth of music. So that's Loveland. That's available now. If someone's like, shit, I need to get my hands on that, where do they go get it? They can get it online at our Bandcamp page or at our website. They can also go to the Electric Fetus or Barely Brothers record store. And I'm going to drop some off at Hi-Fi Hair and Records. 
John. Might not be a bad idea to stop and visit the good people at Mill City, <gasps> Mill Sound. City Sound. Just saying whatever you want to yeah. do. Before we got talk anymore with Annie, I'm Annie and the Bang Bang. Uh, I need to talk to my friend Sean Bernard because Sean is a producer. He's a business owner. He is a contributing member to society for the most part, uh, producer hmm. of this fine podcast, but also a realtor for the 50th and France location of Edina Realty. And even though it's a little slow compared to most springs, you're on your grind. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time right now because the entire media world is saying, oh, whatever you do, don't sell your house don't right now. Your, and that's want, really not true. I mean, you want to live under a bridge? You yeah, want to live in a box? Exactly. Right. The, is the inventory lower? Yes. Is it impossible? No. Right. Even if you're planning ahead, like I've already got five things set up for next summer. Uh, even if you're planning ahead, uh, we can meet. If you, even if you just kind of want to know what's my house worth, uh, we can meet. I can at least send you some information on that. 612-859-2594. One of the things I'm doing this year is taking a portion of every buy side or sell side and donating to a local musician. Now, let me let me make sure that I yeah. understand that perfectly clear. If I come to you and I'm like, it's time to sell my home and I'm going to sell it, then you're going to get a commission and you're going to take a portion of that commission. Yes. And if I said, but I'm only selling through you, if you give it to Annie, Annie King of Annie and the Bang Bangs. The answer is yes. Wow. That's what I do. So it's kind of it's kind of a fun thing. And the musicians that we've given to thus far, just it's it, they're just so grateful. And, and it's a way to keep creators creating. I mean, somebody like Annie, who is so passionate about this, you know, we've got to that's what because Brian, you and I and, and obviously with with you, Annie, it's like it's part of my soul that like, without musicians and without that feedback, I don't find joy. I mean, really, I, it's a big part of my life. Uh, right before uh, we got over here and I got done with my son's car stuff, my daughter played three songs on the guitar for me before she goes back to college. And it's a part of my soul. And so anyway, you know, you need to have a qualified realtor, somebody who understands what they're doing to help you negotiate, to make sure you're buying a house that's solid, that's got a good foundation. My dad was a carpenter for 30 years, so I understand enough about uh, about homes and that sort of thing. And so if all things are the same, I'd love it if you chose me because we're giving back to the community. We're giving back to local artists who are fighting to survive right now. 612-859-2594. That number is also textable. We've talked about it throughout the course of the pandemic. You know, Sean and I have urged everyone to, you know, even if you can't go out and see a show, buy a virtual ticket or go to a band's band camp and buy their freaking record instead of streaming it. Yes. Or go to their website and buy a t-shirt. T-shirts, rock t-shirts are still cool even if you can't yep. wear them out. They're fun to wear around the house. In fact, sometimes I'll wear just a rock t-shirt and Porky Pig it around the house all day long. <laughs> this is why I'm glad we don't live together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> My point is you support local artists. But we've, we've encouraged the same thing with local businesses, mom and pop shops for food, bike shops, whatever the case may be, local mom and pop shops, because as we begin to break out of our shell and our cocoon and come back out into some semblance of the real world, we love it here. This is our hometown. This is our community. And I want it to be as rich and vibrant as it was before. We've already lost too many places. And I can only imagine the struggle for mm. so many musicians and other forms of artists as well. So there are ways to support them even before we've opened fully back up. So to echo everything sean said now's the time so pe people can go to the annie and the bang bang band camp um now when you it's weird so you said you've got all this other music in the pipe right i mean like it's ready to go and so but i imagine you know 
how long do you wait? Like, how do you know in your gut or is there is there a handbook that they hand out to independent musicians? Um, like, how long am I supposed to wait before the release of Loveland, which is out now, and the next one and the next one and the next one? And now that you've got those in the shoot, do you stop creating? No. What does what does 2021 look like for you, Annie? I think it looks like lots of band slumber parties, oh. as we call them. So we get together, we have residencies. And like a couple of the albums, we still have to sort of fine tune the arrangements and things like that, right? So mm-hmm. we do a lot of band slumber parties, um, craft work together, collaborate, um, and uh, arrange songs. Um, we've got a video coming out for Shake the Shaker that we just listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the new album is going to come out. We'll, we'll be ready in June, and then we'll help promote it and get videos out for that in August. But sometimes my band has to be like, can we just play all the songs we just made? And I'm like, no, because we must work on more. And, and we're all open to it, you know, but it's like the other day, I think when somebody was like, oh my God, we have like 40 new songs. Well, I mean, know? like we've worked really hard on these songs and they're great. Let's play these for a while. Yeah, except we're also hungry. Like we're the most productive band that I know that also has a ton of fun together. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we get so much done. Like, we, we'll, Oh, you're we'll like have... one of those couples who actually love each other, aren't you? We are. We're oh. gross. Oh. We're super gross. Man. It's Here really we gross. Go. gross. Really gross. No, you're schmoopy. No, you're schmoopy. <laughs> I'm actually, that's wonderful because I know that being in a band can often be more difficult than being in a marriage. And if you really enjoy each other's company, that's a brilliant gift. It's great. And there's also, there's a nice amount of, like, artistic friction. Like, there's enough, like... Right. Where we sort of great, not great on each other, but like it's a little bit like sandpaper too. Because well, but we you can't... push each other. Exactly. You, you you push each other into areas like yep. if it really matters to you, you're going to fight for it. Exactly. And if you're like, maybe we could try it a different way, and maybe you were wrong. Right. Uh, and, and band counseling really expensive. <laughs> Super expensive. See, have you seen that? What's the movie about um, Metallica? Like uh, some oh, kind of monster. monster. <laughs> and when they go to that therapist together, oh my god! I haven't seen it. I just you know. Oh, it's amazing. I, thought I was, being I, clever, was but... I was forced to watch that in real therapy because it's like well we can well, I mean in real treatment rather we went out to treatment and we're like well today we can do small group or we can watch a movie I'm like oh, let's watch a movie <laughs> but then it was that movie and I'm like oh my god Metallica you can we just all act like grown-ups and get out there and rock please yeah, yeah. but they couldn't they had reached a point where they needed a therapist so yeah. your band gets along you test each other and clearly it works. I mean, whatever form of relationship you've crafted, you keep cranking out this music. So you described to me that there is a, it's weird to talk about things in the future yet past tense because mm, you've already mm-hmm. made it, but it's going to be coming out down the road. But there are thematic differences for your upcoming releases. Yes. Yeah. So um, what we've done in the past, and let me also say that the, this incarnation of the band has only existed for four years. Okay. So like this is the band, right? right? The band we're working with now. Uh-huh. Um, and that's Kari Tweeting on bass, John uh, Riedlinger on guitar, Mike Hill on the drums. Right. Um, and so the we always do these albums and it's like 12 songs and they sort of ru- run through a range of uh, emotions and feelings, right? A journey. But we, we were like, what if we just did an album that was just like seven or eight songs that just rocks Mm -hmm. it's just rowdy and raucous right so that's this next one the one that's that we just did with uh tom herbers at creation studio that'll be released right Mm -hmm. and then then we're in uh, we're also gonna record um an album of what we call like spell casting songs or like noise songs Mm. um so is that like droney ambient kind of stuff like ambient droney but also like really dives like very deeply into the well of just like hardcore fight 
song, you know, on the one kind of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, beats, right? And then another uh, another one that we're just calling the mellow set. Um, and they're just, they're, they're, those songs are just more spare in their musical storytelling and also in the way that I'm um, using lyrics. There's a lot more images in those. Um, and then we're also, uh, like this weekend, we're going to go away uh, to live in a little house and start to um, really dive into this album we want to do that's based on, like, or inspired by 70s music, um, which you know it has so many different genres inside of it but like that's definitely where this uh this uh songwriter is really uh preeminent and then also you know zeppelin and neil young and mm. you know i don't know man i have no idea what's going to happen but we're just going to dive in and see what happens i think that's brilliant i mean so some of these you sit down with an aesthetic ideal right and like you like let's try this one thing other times, though, the band just gets together, and do you kind of let things start to coalesce and then decide what this album is? Yep, yep. So sometimes we'll find that we're just doing a few songs that are like, oh, this feels like this kind of mood. Let's just really dive into that mood. Right. And um, when we first started the band, I was bringing in all the songs, but now with this new incarnation, like um, John will bring in a riff, Kari brings in a riff. Um, Mike will come in with a, an idea for a drum beat. So uh, we just really inspire one another, and um, and then we just find ways to sort of craft something together. And when they hand me riffs, it's amazing because it's like going on um, when you go on a journey and you're climbing a mountain you've never been in that mm. mountain before. So suddenly you see new things, new things come to you that are unfamiliar. So you get to be like, oh. Mm. I, okay, here's a new thing that's coming at me. And so I tend to write differently because of that. And I also, if I don't have to play guitar, I can really um, explore um, like the Ricky Lee Jones sort of uh, attention to detail and jazz. Or, oh. you know, I don't have to, I don't have to do two things at once. I can do one thing. You know what I mean? I can I can deliver this uh, Working Working in radio for as long as I have, I have worked for exceptional producers and with exceptional co-hosts, and I have worked with both of those things that are decidedly less so. And one of my all-time favorite phrases is, I love working with professionals. Mm -hmm. Don't take it personally, Sean. Right? Oh, okay. wow. uh, one of, one of my favorite things to say is, I love working with professionals because what it allows you to do is to be the best you. It, it frees you up to, okay, now I can focus on the thing I'm good at because that person's focusing on the thing they're good at. And if we're better together than either one of us are alone, ideal, but it's nice to know that someone has this covered or someone can bring it here to allow me to explore this area or whatever. I mean, you've kind of already answered the question but i was going to ask i mean you're the one who started bringing all the ideas together this is your band annie and the bang bang you are annie and king so when when did you openly encourage it or did other people just kind of start bringing riffs to it and was you don't strike me as the kind of person who was threatened and obviously you've developed a wonderful relationship with your bandmates you're a proper band now but i mean was there ever a time where you were resistant to the input of the other people in the band and you're like i don't Thanks so much for stopping by. You might want, you might want to save that for your solo project. Um, no, I wasn't resistant. And every, you know, I would bring, like I said, I'd bring in the songs, but I wouldn't tell anyone else what to play. They would express their own artistry through it. But okay, so this is how it happened the first time: is we went. We, my mom offered to leave her house so we could live in her basement for three days huh? to go on our first slumber party, and this was about three years ago. And um, we loaded all the instruments in. Long story short, John played this riff that he been playing for a while um but didn't really stick to me right but he started playing it and then Kari and mike joined in and it started to snow outside and john was like oh it's not snowing sideways and so 
that line, it's snowing sideways and his little riff. And then I went out for a mm. walk and all these other images came to me. Um, and then we made a song together called Crow River Drive. So that was our first uh, uh, foray into um, a sort of more collaborative uh, experience. Um, uh, but yeah, I always just think of them as gifts. Like when they send me someone, I just put my earbuds in and I go for a walk. Like walk, like I said, it's physical experience for me. So I go for a walk and I collect images mm-hmm. that I see around me and they resonate with some emotional aspect of uh, being a human and um and uh and it unlocks um worlds for me and um so i just think of it as a gift like i just love what they bring and how they are and 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 now it just feels more yeah like definitely like a collaborative uh, experience i think the the takeaway from all of that right there for me is i'll never be a great lyricist i'll never be able to write a song but being open to the possibilities and not being resistant to the fact that maybe one doesn't know everything and there's always room to grow and there's always it may sound oversimplified but i think a lot of us get caught up in our day to day i think a lot of us get caught up in no this is who i am this is how i am go for a walk and take a look and just listen you know earbuds in or not and just keep open to the possibilities let ideas fall into your head is every one of them going to be a home run absolutely not but every once in a while you're going to get one and it could lead to the next thing which leads to the next thing so being open to the possibilities i think is a brilliant philosophy to begin with um before we start to wrap things up here which we're going to have to do shortly I don't want to get away too far away from your theater background because I know friends who moved to Chicago to be literally in productions that were nothing but stage combat. Mm -hmm. So being in theater is one thing, you know, being Pa Carnes in Oklahoma, (laughs) although an amazing achievement, is, is different than actual stage combat. So, I mean, when did you decide that you were going to you know, incorporate into, I mean, maybe it was part of your training, maybe it was something you pursue to learn from a specific person, but incorporating stage combat into who you are is more than just doing little play fighting with a sword. Stage combat is not a joke, and it's genuinely a rigorous and demanding discipline within the theater realm. How did you come to stage combat? I was an actor for a really long time, and then I was a dancer for a really long time, and I returned to acting. Um, and I was in a play and we were going to make a broadsword fight. So I held a broadsword fight, uh, broadsword for the first time in my life. And my whole body just was like, oh, it's like sang. My body was like, yes. And, and I was like, I, I need to be with this thing and yeah. I need to be around people who will help me understand how to wield this. Right. right? And I love it because it, it marries my passions of dance and theater and this physicality that I really love to embrace. Um, it's a way of really connecting with another human being because you have to be like, I'm totally present. Are you totally present? Because uh-huh. we are not totally fucking present right now. Somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's right? going to get really hurt. Right. Um, and uh, and I get to teach it. I get to teach to, to wonderful uh, young people. And um, uh, and I'm always evolving and growing. Like there there I have weaknesses in this field and I'm trying to like develop and push my myself past my limitations and um and just find the right people to study with because i'm i love being a student i love being a teacher they're the same freaking thing as far as i'm concerned there's an overlap there right um and um so i just find people who are uh experts and better at uh, some of the things that i am and and just be like please unlock your brain for me and 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 help me understand my body and how to do this that's know? the whole life lesson right there again whether we're talking about stage combat or really anything there's always going to be someone better than you and mm-hmm. always someone who's not as good as you and really what you are is 
the link in that instructive and sharing chain. One of the things I love about stage combat is that it's not only extremely physically demanding, which you can respect, but when done properly and at the at the height of of, of what the art form is, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It, it's incredible. Yes, it it's impossible to watch. It's intricate. You know, you can even go back and look at like classic. Hong Kong fight films, right? Mm-hmm, and I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon would probably be the most Americanized version of that, but there's a decades long tradition of that. And we're talking about the wire fighting and we're talking about a lot of the yeah. with the ridiculous sound effects, but there is a, an actual ballet to it. Mm-hmm. So this leads me to a question. Were nunchucks ever part of your stage combat? Um, not officially, but when I was about 21, no, 20, I, I wanted some nunchucks and a friend of mine had them. So I worked with nunchucks for a little while and got hit in the head a lot, you know. Oh, yeah, but um, when you're doing the shoulders and the back, I mean, oh, and yeah. you're like, I am Bruce Lee, just not quite as good, but I'm on my way. But no, you you hit yourself in the arm and the sides and the head a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real lesson in humility. <laughs> <laughs> the challenge with them from a self-defense standpoint is that you always would need to carry them with you. Right. Just in case. Right. Right here in the holster, right. baby. Just right there in the right holster. There. Right there in the backpack. <laughs> yep. Tucked in the back of the Just pants. Just in Ready case. To go. <laughs> oh, man. I remember as a, as a teenager in like middle school is probably where it first started. There were only a couple people who had them. One with, I had one friend with like an actual pair and one with like a homemade pair. Oh, yeah. And oh, there was yeah. nothing cool. And they were terrible <laughs> at them. It was, like yeah. kids, it was like kids with a butterfly knife, right? Like doing the little flip around thing. Oh, yeah. Embarrassing. It, but at the time, so damn cool. Yeah. So damn cool. <laughs> What's your favorite weapon to use when you're doing that fighting? Is it a sword? Is it a quarter staff? Broad or do you sword. Like, yeah? Broad sword. People who haven't held a broad sword before, that's not a joke sword. They're, oh. they're called broad because they're broad and they're yeah. heavy. It's work. Yeah, no. And it's beautiful. And you have to get, you got to dive deep in your body and your stance. And like, I just feel like fighting comes up from the ground, right? Yeah. It, and it's mm. got to come up through your core. You lead from the core, all those kind of things. And the way you have to cast the energy and yeah, wielding, I just love wielding a sword quite a bit. Has it gone so far? Has your love of sword wielding gone so far as to carry over like into LARPing? Are you familiar with LARPing? I am familiar with LARPing. It has not carried over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a world Where I'm not familiar with. Where you could be like a, like a half-elven warrior princess kind of thing? Right, but I, ha- I don't know not much yet. about that world. No. Yep. <laughs> well, I've got some friends I'm going to introduce you to. Her name is Annie Anniking. She is Annie of Annie and the Bang Bang. You've got so many albums on the way. You've got this great one out right now called Loveland. If people want to stay in touch, people want to come out and see the LARPing force that is Annie Anniking, if people want to come out and experience it or they want to stay on top of these releases as they come out, I know you told me Bandcamp's a great place to get that music. Is there an informational repository? Is there a central website that has all of the information? AnnieandTheBangBang.com and also our Facebook page. I post okay. a lot there. So those are two really good resources. And yeah, if you join our, our like our mailing list, that's a really good way to do it. And we do want to be in, uh, we, we want to connect with more people and, um, you know, share the energy and joy and love. As things open up, I imagine you're planning on playing plenty in the coming months, maybe? Yeah, we'd like to. Yeah, we're going to play in Rochester. We're playing in Trumplo, Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, we'll probably play another gig in town. So yeah, we want to play. We want to uh, play these all this new material for new people. Well, for sure. good for so. you, and I hope it brings you everything you're looking for. And this was awesome. I feel like we have lots more we could talk about, but we have to wrap up the show for today. Will you come back again some point? Oh my God, I would love to. Okay, very good. Well, we're here in the Smart Start MN studios. Before we really wrap it up, I want to thank Smart Start MN. I want to thank Sean Bernard. Thank you, Sean. I want to thank you.
No, you don't. Uh, I also <laughs> want to thank our Patreon supporters, without whom we do not have the lovely Smart Start MN Studios uh, where we currently sit. Uh, and also thanks to AudioQuip. As things start to open up and people get back outdoors, you start doing, I don't know, a one-off performance at a coffee shop. Or you need a full-blown PA system for an outdoor show you're doing at a community event or a neighborhood center or maybe a proper rock and roll concert in downtown Minneapolis. Go ahead and get a hold of our friends over at AudioQuip. Nate and his and his entire team can hook you up. They do a great job. They're super pros. They have the good equipment. And they've been really good to us here. And loyalty is probably one of my single most revered traits, whether we're talking business or personal interaction. And they've been very loyal, and they're super good They dudes. sure have. Yeah, they've been really amazing. So thanks to everybody involved. And Annie, thank you for coming by. Before we say our actual goodbye, well, which we'll say now, I want you to tell me, I, I ask everyone who comes by to pick out three songs. And we played a couple of yours off Loveland, the latest release available on Bandcamp, or you can get more details at AnnieAndTheBangBang.com. You picked another band to feature on the way out. Yeah, local band Lakewood Cemetery. They just put on an album called The City, and I'm going to play the song The City. And the reason I'm playing them is uh, the Katrina is an amazing songwriter. And when she performs, she uses her hands a lot. It's like mm. they're birds in front of her. She's is very ex- Her body is an expressive tool. Yeah. And uh, her husband, Dan, is an amazing guitarist and musician. And like it's just solid songwriting, great hooks, um, really beautiful, beautifully told stories. I love them. Annie, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Annie. All right, we'll see you again. Here's Lakewood Cemetery with the city on The Brian Oak Show.